Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, Andrew Henderson, we do it UK style, across the pond style. We don't do it UK style. We do it across the pond style every Tuesday. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. It is Tuesday in most parts of the world. That means that Andrew Henderson is willing to take the punishment on farm subsidies here today. Good no morning, comment. USA. And I'll, I'll take any punishment that comes my way if it's justified. And good morning to whoever's out there. Warren Tungay joining us from Brown County, Texas. How are you, Warren? I'm doing good. How about you? Are you in the pig barn? I'm in the pig barn. Yep. Oh, nice. Warren I joins us. I go ahead and do chores this morning before I got on line here. Yeah. With you instead of driving to the office and then coming back and feeding. Oh, sounds logical. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, you know that you know that you know that, that families in Texas are about to be um, initiated to the Trent Luce family, don't you? You've heard about oh, that? Oh, really? No, I didn't. I I haven't even heard about it. I have no idea what he's saying. Didn't you tell me that your daughter was marrying a guy from Texas? Yes, I did. Sorry. So, so you now do have an idea what I'm saying? <laughs> really? Yeah, do next August, uh, Libby. Yeah is marrying a fella from Texas. Andrew. So his, his, his name is Andrew. There is no chance he's going to turn out. <laughs> your, gene pool, your gene pool might change for the worse, but never mind. Yeah. Warren, there you yeah. go. There you go. Anyway. Warren, Warren only has one problem as I assess him as a friend. Okay. He puts the value of a Duroc hog ahead of that of a spotted hog. I don't understand. Yeah, that would be true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I missed that. What did you say, Warren? I said that would be true. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you, to be quite honest. I think, I you, think if I'm right, the Duroc comes from the UK. Is that right? That's not correct. Oh, it was developed oh. in the United States. It was called a Jersey Red. Can you believe something good came? It has a name Jersey tied to it. Well, what's wrong with Jersey? Have you been to New Jersey? I've been to. Oh no! Here we go again. I've been to the <laughs> bloody Jersey. <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> The bloody Jersey. Like everything originates in the UK. The one on the channel. I've been to the actual island. Uh, The Jersey cats come from. And maybe the Jersey pigs from the sound of it. Yeah, they were. They were. Uh, So yesterday, when we signed off on Across the Pond, Andrew, you and I, we ended up starting to talk about farm subsidies. And I mentioned the accelerated rate an additional $28 billion in farm subsidies this year. Ironically, last week, Warren and I had talked, and he said that he would like to join us talking about farm subsidies. A week ago, he mentioned that because I said he said he thinks he maybe has a different take. First of all, Warren, it would be uncommon for you and I not to see things in the same light. Is that the case in farm subsidies? Because I have no use for them. I have no use for any subsidies. I think they should all leave. What's your stance? Now, I agree with that, Stan, completely. The the problem that I see is being able to get rid of them. Um, and the reason that I say that is because even if we don't look at it at a global um, respect, we have so many things that are propping each other up. And then, uh, you know, of course, globally, what I suspect that would do is, if we got rid of farm subsidies in the U.S., it would 
it would um, put uh, American farmers and ranchers at a disadvantage because of the other countries that subsidize theirs. I just suspect that. I wish they would all go away, all subsidies mm-hmm. of any kind. I do, too. I, I actually don't just wish it. I think we need to take steps to make it happen. Andrew, I love yeah. putting you on the spot. So uh, the next step in this, and then it's all you. Eighty five percent of all global subsidies go to one industry. Do you, can you name that industry? Agriculture. Incorrect. Warren. Oil and gas. Oil and gas. Fossil fuel industry globally gets 85% of all subsidies. I find that perplexing. Well, I I also find that quite stunning because I know that 50% of the European Union budget goes on subsidies for agriculture. So those subsidies you're describing are outside the European Union, of which we were part of until um, the 1st of, of January this year. But there you go. I'm only telling you because that's the... No, no. I'm including... That's global subsidies. I'm including the EU subsidies in that. Yeah, but what I'm saying to you is that the European Union it, 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 as an entity, I'm not saying... I'm not arguing with you. Mm-hmm. You're, you're obviously right. But um, in this part of the world, the biggest uh, recip- re- recipients of subsidy uh, are the farmers in Europe. I'm just telling you that. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Okay. So uh, I'm just throwing out some data that I have as research because I actually researched this particular discussion, <laughs> and it and, and we can go anywhere we want. But there are the average farm subsidy as a percentage of the net profit for farmers globally is twelve percent, twelve point oh five percent. Four countries of relevance get above that. Excuse me, twelve percent each year. South Korea, Japan, China, uh, I'm sorry, I can count, five countries. South Korea, Japan, China, Indonesia, and the all EU countries. See, yeah. I almost lumped you that in That backs out well. what I'm saying. That does back up what I'm saying then a bit. Yeah. yeah. Four countries get less than the average of 12%. Those four countries being Russia, Canada, Mexico, and the United States. With all of that said... What we have done in farm subsidies in 2020, I think, is uh, dangerous to our future. Okay. Okay. Can I defend your government then for a minute on that? Well, you'll have to. Because I think that sometimes your government is reacting to to what Warren just uh, um, uh, described. And that is that um, sometimes your government has to react in order to make sure that UK farming in general and agriculture can compete. And um, as you may or may not know, um, during the recent trade war that you've been having with the European Union, um, you've been been given some draconian uh, tariffs on your goods coming in. So I'm, I'm assuming that that's one of the reasons why, just for this mm. last two years, you've increased your support for your farmers in order for, the, for them to remain competitive whilst importing into the European Union. So that's one example. You're, but, you're almost right. I just want to qualify that. In 2019, the increase in farm subsidies was a, a result of the China trade tariffs. And you will hear Secretary Sonny Perdue talking about a $28 billion farm subsidy increase because 
they've assessed the impact of the farmer from what China did to be $28 billion. So you'll hear Secretary Purdue say that we took the money from that subsidy, that our, excuse me, from that tariff that yeah. we, we received from China, and then we just doled that out to the farmer. In the 2020 increase in subsidies, it was all about the bottleneck and what has happened as a result of COVID and the disruption in the food system. Well, uh, I can bring you right up to date. You've just had a massive uh, loss in courts, which means you're going to be paying big tariffs to get into the U- e- EU as well. Not into the UK, but into the EU. Unless you're I, new- I, I have an answer for that. I know. What's that? Let them starve. <laughs> okay, that's your answer. I'm just saying what your government's trying to do to support you. That mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I mean, at the end of the day, I... I I'm in the same camp as both of you. I think you're you're both right. Um, the only pro- problem is that we have to have, in order for this to work, is we have to have uh, an even playing field across the world. And if we yeah. don't get that, then it's very difficult to see, as Warren pointed out, how we can do it any other way. You should be a U.S. farmer, Andrew, because the answer that every U.S. farmer will give you to that is, I don't believe in subsidies. But they're offering them, so I might as well take them because somebody else will. We're never going to have a fair across the board. We just need to be a leader and say, farmers, you can be profitable in producing with the supply and demand program. That has always worked. It always will work. Keep the government out of it. Okay. 30 seconds, Warren, and then I got to go to a break. I do think it would, you know, there is something to be said for uh, protection in disaster type situations, but not just for your your dry time every year, you know, or for somebody making bad planning decisions or, or things like that. But there there should be something I think available in just you know a devastating circumstance like when we have hurricanes or something like that, uh, maybe tornadoes in the Midwest uh, parts of the country that can devastate just huge parts of the farming. I don't know. Yeah, well, Derecho would be one example where you had a 200-square-mile area affected by a hurricane in Iowa. Who would ever guess? We have to take a break. We are going to continue to talk about farm subsidies, all subsidies. Who knows where we might go? Warren Tungate alongside Andrew Henderson, Trent Luce across the pond version. The stand at Paxton County continues to be on Netflix. I actually took the time to watch it again this weekend. I still don't sell hay to my best friend, but that's just the way that it is in today's world. I thought I might as well tell you because Andrew will. And if you want to see what we're talking about, it's on Netflix. It's called The Stand at Paxton County. This is Rural Route. We'll be back with more. Warren and Andrew after this. Welcome back to Rural Route. Trent Luce alongside Warren Tungate joining us. From Durockville, Texas. <laughs> Durockville. Nice Durockville. Lot. Yeah. We're, we'll get him we'll get him straightened out at some point. Red big rodeo. So listen, <laughs> I shot the sheriff. It's a very good song, Warren. I, I, I know that we were talking in the break. Uh, well, you and Trent were. I was keeping very quiet. And um, what I want to say to you is that um, uh, what, what I want to say to you, look, um, we have a, I'm going to give you the European Union and the British farmer as an example. And then I think this might add a little bit meat on the bone on why this is such a difficult uh, issue. And I, whilst I totally agree with what, what both of you want to do, I think that maybe 
if the government wants to support agriculture, they can do it in a different way than subsidies. So here's my take on why, um, well, obviously you're right, subsidies are bad, but how badly abused they've been for uh, within the European Union to give you an example of how it can be totally <coughs> abused. And I'll explain it this way to you. In, um, in the European Union, um, about 50 billion euros are doled out to farmers in terms of subsidies. But those subsidies are distributed by the individual countries um, in different proportions, depending on what I will, uh, the strength of the farmer vote. And that, I know that sounds ridiculous, but I'm just trying to explain. So we have all these different countries in Europe, 28 countries in Europe. So some of the, the subsidies are paid to the governments who then pay them to the farmers. And those subsidies can end up going to in a different way to the farmers. And what can happen, like in France, is that, let's say, and I'm going to give you an example, a UK farmer gets a, a pound for every acre. In France, because they're also a very important part of the voting public, they get a pound from Europe and they also get another pound from their own government. Are you with me so far? So, they, yeah. so it becomes unbalanced. Now, the other thing that happens is that because um, these laws tend to be made in a place called Brussels, um, what happens is that sometimes those laws don't get properly disseminated to the individual countries, a bit like your state laws, not, not uh, sorry, your, your federal laws maybe that don't precipitate down through into your, your uh, states and then to your local precincts and counties. So what happens in the, it happens with the EU agricultural budget is one or two countries who, because of the way that they're, 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 they're situated, actually produce more food than their own people require. And I'll give you two examples. Denmark and Belgium produced between them, uh, both countries produce 200% more than their people actually require to consume in terms of, of dairy, beef, etc. And pork. Pork. I'm giving you loose thing. I mean, yeah, loose yeah loose I know, thing. but Denmark is a, is a global yeah. force when it comes to pork production. So what these countries did was, right, we've got to find new ways to uh, to uh, make sure that we have export markets and control those export markets. And I want to give you one example of what's happened in the UK. So a cooperative in Denmark, all the farmers. Now, this is something that never happens in the UK, and I suspect doesn't quite happen in the US either. In the UK, it's hard enough to get two brothers on a farm to unite rather than yeah. two farms. <laughs> all right? Or better yet, two brothers' wives. Yes, go, go ahead. So you're with me. You're, you're with me already. Got so what it. happens is that in Denmark, all the farmers realized that they could get 40% grants to actually go towards buying processing, wait for this, in the UK. Okay. So what they could do is put their farms up as equity mm -hmm. and they all join together and right. actually never actually put in any money themselves, but just borrow the money from the banks in in Denmark, might I suggest, I'm just giving you an idea of what might have happened. Mm. And then what happened is they got millions of pounds and or dollars or whatever currency, euros you want to call it. And they got money as 40% of the money they needed to build these places were then given to them by the European Union. And they started buying up all our large processing. And then as a token, they took 
what I would describe as 25% of our farmers on as owners of this cooperative in the UK. So they actually didn't actually have to raise money themselves and they got such a massive influx of subsidy that what actually happened was they didn't even have to pay for what they got. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Because yeah, they, I do. But yeah. what, because, what people it, seem to lose sight of is yeah. that there is no subsidy that comes free. Somebody yeah. has to put the money into the government in order for somebody else to get it out. The people. The people the pe- put the money in. And at some point, the people need to rise up. Housing. Go ahead, Warren. Just like subsidized housing. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, Andrew, what the people in the all of the EU plus the UK should be uprising about is that with this accelerated subsidy, you still, as a citizen of each of those individual countries, pay more in food, uh, average twice what we pay in the United States for food. So we always say, well, we have this cheap food policy, so we have to have these subsidies. Uh, you pay for it as a consumer one way or the other. That's the bottom line. But two things, two things, Trent. You try and explain it to people. Firstly, they don't really believe you. And, and, and also, some people find difficulty in understanding how anybody could ever do that. But these things have happened and continue to happen. That's why I, for one, am on the same page as you two. And then mm-hmm. when, we, um, when we leave the European Union for good on the 1st of January 2021, I'm hoping that our, I'm hoping that our government will invest in farming as an investment. Now, I don't think that's a sub- subsidy. I don't think investment... It is. I don't want them investing in farming. No, no, no. <laughs> First of all, you, you didn't let me finish. I'm not saying the government invests their own money. I'm saying the government encourage people to invest in farming for the future, for jobs, for security, and for the environment. I don't say They're we need to use them for it. Pardon? And not punish them for it. And not punish them for it. I'm not suggesting that um, the government themselves put the money in. I'm suggesting that they make it uh, a, a policy to promote um, food production in the country because, A, it's important for people's health, and, B, that they do it for sustainability as a country. Because I'll tell you something. A country that can't produce food that ends up falling out with another country is in big trouble. Yeah. They're vulnerable. Warren, you, you wanted to chime in? Yeah. Warren, you'll go. It is a tremendous national security um, asset. Um, but also, you know, <clears throat> Andrew, like you mentioned earlier, about one country in the EU receiving more money than another country as far as those farm subsidies go. In the United States, uh, as I was preparing for this meeting here, I discovered that uh, in 2017, 78% of the dollar value of subsidies in the U.S., farm subsidies in the U.S., went to the top 10% of farms. Well, those are certainly <laughs> not family-owned yeah. farms. And that so, happens everywhere, doesn't it? That's, right. And so what happens is yeah. whoever yeah. pays the best lawyer or bookkeeper gets yeah. the most subsidies. Yeah. And you see, there it is again. That's what happened in the EU. And that's where it's all wrong, because it's always the people that don't need it that get it. And that is absolutely bang on. And that's and that's why subsidies are a bad thing. And that's why I'm suggesting that if we're going to invest in the industry, it's invested by the general public in areas where all farmers 
are given the opportunity to expand and improve their efficiency in their business. And I know Trent will say, well, they're already efficient. I know that. But it's showing the general public the benefits of that efficiency I'm talking about to make their products more valuable to the consumer. Warren, I'm a good way to, to do it. You know, like, for example, in the U.S., here we have the extension service. And uh, in, in a we way, have the what? We have the what, Warren? The extension you cut out. service. Okay. So in a way, you know, that is could be considered a, a subsidy, but really it's a benefit to the entire country. Um, it just depends on who will take advantage of that, which is, is not something that's, you know, a tremendous paperwork burden or anything else. It's just you have to go talk to the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm re- I'm reluctant though, Warren, to bring the extension program into the subsidy discussion because there's so many issues with that, and it, it, it's really not a subsidy. Although it is a government-sponsored program, it's a third leg of our land grant system that is right. about education, research, and extension. Uh, I I guess in closing, because I have to go to a break, if extension would stay ahead of the curve and be the first uh, implementer of technology, it would be beneficial to go to them. But too many times that doesn't happen. We're halfway through the discussion. Warren Tungate joining us from Brown County. Andrew Henderson from Cheshire, England. Trent Lewis from right here in central Nebraska, the great livestock state. We'll be back with the second half. Oh, I do need to remind you, Lone Creek Cattle Company, also based in the great state of Nebraska. The certified Piedmontese system provides the opportunity to tap into a niche marketing opportunity. A $180 per head premium is what is possible. Get details about certified Piedmontese and how it might be the answer to you and being free of subsidies and free of government control, getting paid properly. That's really what it's all about for the farmer and the rancher. LoneCreekCattleCoat.com. We're back with the second half of Rural Route right after this. Welcome back to Rural Route. Trent Loose alongside Warren Tungate on a five-gallon bucket without a cushion. Andrew Henderson, like me, sitting in a cushy chair. Well, I am. I'm, I'm sitting in one of my mum's chairs, actually. And she, she, she very kind, kindly donated without even knowing. But there you go. Um, you stole a chair from your mother? Well, no. We were trying to work out where we put her furniture because, as you know, unfortunately, she's now had to yeah. go into her home. So we, there you go. Anyway, hang on. Before we... Before we okay. I wanted, I'm hanging. Something. There's another solution to all these issues about subsidy. Okay. And, and, and I think it... it and I've, I've got to say something. I, I, I was all ready to talk to Kit Tom this morning, and I know that interview's mm-hmm. been moved until <clears> Friday. <throat> but did you know that the World Food Program, who Kit's got a lot of uh, um, what? interest that's who, he's the, that's who he's the ambassador for from the U.S. Yeah. to the Food yeah, Agriculture Organization. There's six organizations he's the ambassador for, but the World Food Program is one of them. And then... Um, they have just won the the Nobel Peace Prize, and so and and rightfully so. And I watched a video on this, and I and I think this is absolutely critical. Because apart from one farmer I know in the United States of America, the rest of you give more to the uh, World Food Program as a country per capita. Your farmers give more food and mm-hmm. support to the World Food Program than any other. <laughs> country in the world apart from one black guy that won't even give a bale of hay anyway <laughs> so, 
So, no wonder he's bending his head down. That's all I can say. Yeah, well, it sounded like you said one black guy, and I was like, no, I'm not black. <laughs> so, anyway, so anyway, listen, listen to But this. Black Friday is coming. Yes, it is. Um, so, let me tell you that, that that contribution that your country makes, and I want to get more into that. We also, funnily enough, and I'm sure, well, I know you know this, have had people who have not been paying their way throughout the world to support uh, our freedom by the way of security. NATO, the, the organization that's yeah. kept people in the free world for all these years, again, the biggest contributor in the whole world, followed by the UK, I might add, we, are, we do pay our way, is um, the United States of America. So I think that that's another way. And, you know, that's where I really admire your president. He wants people to pay the fair uh, yeah. proportion of their dollar to those organizations. Your new president, frankly, just wants to, well. We don't stop. have a new president. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, sorry. Stand you're, corrected. You're, ah, not sorry, yet, anyway. He, he who should not be named, he who should not be named, the uh, pre, pre-elected, no-elected, whatever you want to call him, president. And um, he, he, he just wants to be part of the globalist give away everything from America regime, which is very sad because your, your, your current president was making a huge difference in certainly in the NATO comp- contribution because he was making them pay at least 2% of their GDP towards safety. And the same thing should happen with food, actually. And that comes back to what Trent is saying. If all of a sudden um, we were forcing all of the nations who produce food for um, the free world, but also for the poverty-stricken world. I mean, the ambassador told us last time, Trent, is, am I right, that during COVID, they've had to find um, where they were feeding a, a 100 million mouths a day. They're now having to find enough food for 200 million mm-hmm. a day. Correct. And this is serious stuff, this. By the way, he also told us that in 1940, 80% of the world was uh, challenged with food access, food insecure, poverty, hunger. Yeah. And today in 2020, it's less than 10%. And by the way, what what has global population acquired uh, done in that same period of time? I think it was 2.5, wasn't it 2.5 billion? In 1940, and today it's 7.5 billion. Yeah, it's more than doubled. Yeah. Yeah. It's an incredible achievement, and it's going to get... But at the end of the day, I want to see those those countries be able to develop, because if those countries develop, then they're going to be Mm -hmm. buying goods and services off all of us. So actually, it's in our interest to to make sure they have food and sustenance and have healthy lives and aspire to have great lives like we all have had or are having. And that's where I, I think... There's a great opportunity here for, for the farming industry to level itself out and, and be the future. And um, you're right. The future cannot be on handouts. Our National Farmers Union, frankly, are a disgrace because all they want to talk about is what they can get the farmers for. Yeah. Nothing. Can I mention you'll never get elected to a public office because you don't ride the fence. Uh, Warren. I, I want to go back to what you said at the end of that last segment, because, Andrew, I think it's a big deal. Seventy eight percent of the farm payments go to 10 percent of the farmers. Wow. What's yeah, the, the reform? Uh, top 10 earners. What top 10 percent of our top 10 percent? What uh, what's the reform to that? 
Oh, goodness. You, you have to get rid of corruption and you have to get rid of favoritism that's being bought by a lobbyist and by somebody just having the better lawyer or CPA to steal that from everybody else. Yeah. Because that's, uh, ne- that's very hard to, to, it's easier said than done, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, I, w- I want to give really you, to say. <clears throat> I want to give you an example. By the way, we, we are broadcasting live in tremendous sugar beet country. Okay. <laughs> And I've never said anything negative. I don't demonize sugar. I think that sugar is a nutrient, needs to be consumed in the proper moderation. But the sugar industry in the United States alone produces $2.5 billion worth of sugar products and annually is receiving $1.6 billion in subsidies. 40% of the total sugar income comes from a subsidy. If if you can't see that and say that that's problematic, and by the way, I'm not picking on sugar any more than anybody else, corn producers, soybean right. producers, cotton producers. Oh, by the way, Warren lives in cotton country. Any cotton jokes, Andrew? <laughs> hey, this is a Excuse me. Yeah. After, this, after this interview, Warren's going to have to go into hiding after what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> he'll, what? Be on a, he'll be on well, one of Sidney Powell's see this, um, be in good protection shape. witness list. Who, if who doesn't see it, Warren? <laughs> my, my new in-laws. <laughs> Your new in-laws. <laughs> my, my daughter just married a cotton farmer. From Olton, Texas, maybe? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you'll be, you'll really where you are, it seems like to me. It's in Texas, but it's way north of here. Oh, yeah. It, it could be in Texas, closer to Nebraska than you in Texas. There's no doubt Sometimes, about that. Yep. Yeah, yep. and the panhandle. Warren, you have to watch what you're saying. I, I took it that you must have been divorced and got married again. Oh, no. Yeah, but, <laughs> you did say your new in-laws. <laughs> uh, but anyway, cotton farmer, that sounds like a lot of acres to me. That's probably good. That's probably sensible um, sensible family growth there. Is that right? Yeah. Well, that, that farm has been in that particular family for a few generations now. So... Um, and, and they don't own all the land; they lease some of it. Uh, but mind. <laughs> uh, interesting to note that I have friends, particularly in Kansas, that have recently gotten back into cotton, and they will tell you the only profitable business they've been in the last three years has been the cotton business. Wow! So I don't know what's driving that one. Maybe you can shed some light on that due to the fact that it's now a new family business. Well, you know, I, I do know that. Sometimes it seems like luck of the draw for, from year to year how well that cotton will do. That, uh, that's got to get the right rain on it at the right time. Even when it's irrigated cotton, they still need some rain. And if they don't get it at the right time, it, uh, it just doesn't do as well. As, you know, what the Lord can put on it's a whole lot better than what we can pump out of the ground. You know, Warren, do you not think that 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 particular crop booms though, because um, of the way that your current president has um, promoted um, American goods? Do you not think that demand for cotton will have gone up because of the way that your president has um, managed your economy? Because I would have thought that that's got to be a part of that. Yeah, the U.S. cotton has, has been pretty good, but we've certainly seen, you know, just with the last 
couple of years, things that have been going on between uh, China and then the China virus and usually other things from China. It's been difficult um, as far as pricing goes. There's been spikes and dips in the pricing, but just as far as in the cotton industry, uh, that the people that I'm aware of, you know, dry, dry times have been tough. You know, I'm going to say something that you probably all know anyway, but for the benefit of any listeners here in the UK, um, I, I wear a lot of T-shirts and, um, <clears throat> uh, and I buy a lot of T-shirts for the business and stuff for customers. And um, whenever I've been to America, and I've been uh, many times now, I always make a point of buying T-shirts when I'm in America because there is, I've got to be frank with you, your cotton T-shirts are brilliant compared to anything else I ever get from anywhere else in the world. There's a quality to it that isn't, you don't find anywhere else. That makes no sense whatsoever. 87% of all textiles (laughs) in the world come through China or Asian countries. So they they all originate from China. Why would there be a difference? Well, I'm, I'm just telling you that every time I've, tried anything that and really why this happens but most of our cotton most of our cotton products that we have is u.s cotton that is shipped to china for for processing and then shipped back as as clothing well i i I bought i specifically look for made in the usa when i've been there and it's always very high quality so yeah if if you can find that it's certainly a higher quality but we do have quite a bit of uh, cotton products yeah where the cotton is grown in the U.S. and then it's uh, you probably don't see it, Trent, but I can tell you the difference. Uh, I can show you t-shirts. I I, I, I understand, but you can look. For, you don't have enough time to come to the United States and try to find a t-shirt that says "Made in the United States." <laughs> you have to travel two thousand. You have to go from Dalhart, Texas, to Gettysburg to find it. Nah, that's just you. You're you're just too busy not giving people bales of hay. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> It's Roll Routes. We got to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to expand upon something that Andrew said yesterday that I spent a lot of time thinking about last night. And that is that if you're receiving a farm subsidy, that means you're producing a crop that shouldn't be produced. We'll follow up on that. Neogen is creating the opportunity to look into genomics. We have moved into precision agriculture when it comes to every phase of food production. And you can't afford, I am simply telling you, Warren Tungate, you cannot afford to have a Duroc bore without knowing what the genomics are for meat quality, what the genomics are for growth and efficiency. I don't think maternal matters that much in the big picture from a Duroc, but it's all about knowing what you can learn and using the tools that are available to you. Neogen is making that happen. Shine a light. I now have contact information for the people that control the, the not control, who administer the pet genomic testing for Neogen. So if you want to test your pet or your Duroc, get a hold of Neogen.com. We will be back with the last segment of Rural Route right after this. <laughs> Welcome back to Roll Route. Trent Luce alongside Andrew Henderson across the pond version with Warren Tungate from Texas. They're already testing people genomically. Yeah. And not for eating qualities. Like not, not for eating qualities. There are also but, people that vote Democrat, I, I, but I don't like that either. <laughs> <laughs> do, you think there's a, do you think there's a gene for that? Do you think there's a gene for that? I'm sure there is. There's a gene for voting Democrat. Do you think it's somewhere (laughs) down in the depths? Hey, in all fairness, we've got to find a willing Democrat to join us. We can't constantly be 
you know, maybe we could get Frank Rash to join us here with us on the air, Warren. There we'll was see. One guy, there was one guy that said, he won't show up. He's a chicken. Right. He just he just wants to lob little criticisms without standing behind. Sniper, you know, I've got one. I've got one on Twitter. He's, he's just a sniper from quick. the bushes. All right, War, Warren's coming in. Go so on, I, I'm going to say something. I'm going to get off the topic of uh, subsidies just for a second and say something about the politics of of the way that people behave. And one of the biggest problems. And I see this in in both Democrats and Republicans. I would say probably 80 to 90 percent of our country. Well, maybe not 90, but at least 80 percent vote the way they vote because their parents voted that way or their grandparents voted that way. And so, uh, Andrew, so what's the what's the team Liverpool and the rival? Manchester. Manchester. Okay, so it's kind of like Liverpool and Manchester getting on two different sides of a field and say, I'm on this team and you're on that team. So we'll be against each other. There's a, there's too few people that actually think about the policies and the way that it affect people. And so they will vote based on either handouts or just, well, I've always voted that way. Nobody's going to argue with you, Warren, because that's right. No, no, I think that would have been a great, it still would be a great poll in saying, who do you prefer to be president, Joe Biden or Donald Trump? Second question is, what part of their policy enables you to, motivates you to want them to be president? I don't think 90% of the people would be able to answer that question. That's true. On either side. That's not a partisan criticism. That's bipartisan criticism. Actually, I I would concur with that because people get people don't understand how the policies affect us. Yeah, and, and also people like me who take an interest in it and like you, Warren and, and Trent, it, it, because I go on about how fundamental it is at the moment, people are very confused about how excited I've got about the American elections, but I know how much... I love you know, it too. Yeah, but yeah. I, I know how much it's going to affect me and my family. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And fundamental. But one thing that I would say is sometimes there are fundamental cha- things that change... Um, that um, that example you gave, Warren, which is um, people vote for because of their parents um, and because of where they've been brought up or whatever. And the fundamental change has happened here in the UK when we actually vote for Brexit because both main political parties here in the UK said we should stay in the EU. Are you aware of that? You probably didn't mm-hmm. vote, you know that. No. Even, I, the I, I... even the Conservatives who are... Are, are effectively our Republican Party. Um, the, the Prime Minister at the time actually said, David Cameron, that he wanted us to stay in. The people listened to the arguments, because in that particular de- debate, the people listened to the arguments, and they stuck um, with leaving the European Union. Now, th- th- this is the interesting thing about your... Three times. Yeah, three times. Listening to your election <laughs> here, I think that this is what's interesting. Warren, I'm going to sort of disagree with you, I'm afraid. I don't think, I think the majority, 73 million people, uh, 3 million more than voted for the first black American president, Mr. Obama, um, I think they didn't vote for the party in this particular election. I think they looked at a guy that came in four years ago and, and has said an awful lot of things to upset an awful lot of people in the establishment and in the media 
People like me laughed when America uh, appointed Donald Trump as their president because I thought we, he was we elected him. We elected him. We didn't appoint him. Yeah, so elected him, and I thought, and I thought, you know, who is this joker? He's promising to do this, that, and the other, and I am wrong. And I and I've watched the guy, and I've watched what he's done in foreign policy. I've watched what he's done to to promote your country, and the people have watched it. And I think that actually, Warren, people aren't voting on whether they're Democrats or Republicans in this election. It's just that well, you've had it stolen. <clears throat> had it stolen. That's what I think's right. happened there. Well, we have we have had a lot of people that have paid attention to the policies of Donald Trump and begin to support him that otherwise would not have. Mm. But he 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 struck a nerve in people and and made them realize what was going on. And he was not the same old politician, you know. And that, that's that's the problem is we've got too many politicians and not enough statesmen. Uh, you know, if you think about the early days of this country, it was designed that that men would serve their country and go back to work. And now we have people who have spent a lifetime stealing from the public in public office. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, you've got one. You've got one coming in, potentially coming into office. I'll use the word. He went into office. He went into office the year I was born. Yeah, I know. But got, yeah, but you've got one now going to be the... Well, look, you know what I'm going to say, but the thing is, we now know that he's been earning huge amount of monies from countries that aren't your friends. Yeah. It's documented, and yeah. your press are turning a bright, blind eye to it. It really is scary. You know, the, the only thing I, that I scares me about... Our subsidy conversation. <laughs> no, you haven't, because it's... Yeah. A, no, Same. I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it back because th- that's the one thing that I don't understand about Donald Trump. He has been very willing to dole out subsidies, particularly to farmers. Um, you know, I've been very critical. I'm very fortunate to be, have a, a relationship with Sonny Purdue, Secretary of Agriculture for the USDA, and I've told him from day one: stop giving money out. We don't want aid. We want trade, and we just need to to bite the bullet. And for the long term, this will all be beneficial. But we keep throwing subsidies around. It's not going to work out for the farmer's benefit long term or, quite frankly, the consumer. Because I don't believe that a subsidy keeps prices, food prices artificially low. Let the farmer implement technology and produce in a supply and demand. They will produce in excess of what's needed. And the prices will be fine. And there will be more revenue profits a percentage of that food dollar going to the farmer that's what we need but what but what if he thought trent that just at this time in history he needs to make sure that um that you continue to produce food not not because of the pandemic but just through the transition he needs to take your country when he's for example having huge trade wars with china and with the the, he's got a huge trade war on on his hands here with you so he might be in, in theory, what you said makes makes sense. But what it does is artificially props up a few people. Warren has already shared with us that 10% of the people got 78% of the money. That penalizes the smaller producer. But that's a different argument, isn't it, Warren? No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Stop all subsidies and everybody's on an equal playing field. All right. I'm not going to argue with you. Because you, I can see you've got a point, but I also think it, it's not quite as simple as you put it. But there you go. It is that simple. But what you have 
is people who are trying to win political favor by <laughs> doling out this money. It's no different than my five years living on an Indian reservation. We talk about 87% unemployment on the Rosebud Indian Reservation, and I saw elected officials openly talk about we need to keep these people dependent on us or we lose our power. That's where we're at. Yeah. Well, I'm not disagreeing with you, but, but I know the same things happened here. And what, I, what what's difficult is that if your if your main market uh, is in, and I'm going to use this as an example, is in Europe, and you take if we in Britain take the exact same stances as your take, you're saying that America should take, then that actually stops us at the moment. We can they can bring anything in for free to us, and it would stop us being competitive and. I'll tell you something. Here's the, the facts. When when you get uneven subsidies in Europe, I'll tell you what happened. When I first started 30 years in a dairy <clears throat> ago, 30 years ago, there were 29,000 dairy farmers still farming in the UK, United Kingdom. Today, Warren, how many do you think there is 30 years later? Oh, I'm sure it's tremendously lower. 10%. It's not 10%. It's gone down to less than 9,000 dairy farmers from 29,000 30 years ago. Now, and 20%. That's, and, that, and that's down, you know, because of the European Union and subsidies. That's what's it's caused happened that. Here. It's that's happened here as well. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. The farmers that are getting the really good prices at the moment, which Trent knows are the aligned farmers, they're the ones that all took on the £50,000 free loans that they could get uh, mm-hmm. due to COVID because they were already getting a great milk price, making a huge profit. So they borrowed £50,000 from the government for nothing and ended up buying more cows because it was so profitable. Again, putting more <laughs> of the farmers who weren't on the good price out of business. Warren, so one minute. One minute. You get Andrew's going to get the profound closing, but you get a closing thought. No, Warren. Let Warren oh, no, okay. I said Warren's going to get yes. closing thought. I don't know how we're going to get there. We do need to get rid of subsidies across the board for all industries and still be able to help when there are disasters. I don't know what the answer is, but I do know we need men and women in our representative areas to stop being bought. Just do what's right. Just do what's right. I agree. God, that's brilliant. There's no place to go with that other than saying we've successfully journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America. Hopefully today we've opened that line of discussion between all parties, all partisanships, and think about what's best for the resource and mankind and the assess accessible, reasonably priced essentials of life. For Warren, Andrew, Trent, All three of us remind you that all roads do lead to a rollout. For quite some time now, I've been sharing with you the advantages of looking at the genomics of these cattle, these animals. But take it from somebody who's been using Neogen and the Igenity test for more than 10 years. You really start to reap the rewards of evaluating the genomics. Mike Healy, Warland, Wyoming. There's a good payback. I changed Igenity's formulation on how it emphasized stability so that it emphasized marbling and we've been able to to raise our marbling percentage for we started out we were around the 77 78 percent choice to now this this last group we finished last year's 2019 steer calves finished at 92 percent 
wow. marbling, where uh, we had 11% prime. Premium choice had 53%. So we had 64% of the calves recognizing a, a, a pretty substantial premium. Full details about your future premiums at neogen.com, shining a light on your genetic future.